Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Now Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio. A downloadable cars and coffee hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. You can't just push the car hard the whole way, right? That's right. You have to be kind to the car. You feel the poor thing groaning underneath you. If you're going to push a piece of machinery to the limit and expect it to hold together, you have to have some sense of where that limit is. Look out there. Out there is the perfect lap. No mistakes. Every gear change, every corner. Perfect. You see it. I think so. Most people can't. Most people don't even know it's out there, but it is. It's there. Well, that, of course, was Ford versus Ferrari. Some exclusive content here on Spike's Car Radio from the folks at Ford versus Ferrari, which opens um, Friday, this Friday, the 15th. And you guys and you girls are going to go see it because this movie is uh, absolutely fantastic. If you are the car person in your life and you are dating or married to someone who's not, they're going to enjoy it, too. I brought my wife to the screening. We loved it. She loved it more than me. It's it's really fantastic. Um, you know, you car dudes will notice a few things that are, you're like, well, that's not exactly how it was or that might be a uh, a replica or, or whatnot. But uh, try not to focus on that because uh, everywhere on the screen – there is just beautiful stuff to look at. I was really impressed with the movie, um, and I loved it, really. I, I'm giving it a 100% tomato, and uh, not just that. Today, we have um, James Mangold, the director, Matt Damon, and Christian Bale. Um, we were invited, and uh, I was super excited to get this interview uh, for you guys to their press event at the Peterson Auto Museum, where we're going to go in a minute. Um, it was quite a setup they had going on there. Everybody was kind of uh, given, you know, little spurts of time with the guys or with the director, and uh, they were gracious enough to give us, I think, a good space of time for everyone. Um, uh, we had about, I, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes with uh, Christian Bale and Matt Damon and maybe about the same with uh, the director. So, um you know, I know you would want this to be longer. I'm going to try to get everybody back in here. I'm not sure that's ever going to happen again. But but uh, just know that's the only amount of time I had with these guys. Uh, before we continue on, though, when you see this movie, you're going to want Matt Damon's sunglasses. The Carol Shelby sunglasses, you were going to want them. They're, uh, it, it, it was kind of 
tough to track down. And I eventually had to go to Matt himself because I forgot to ask him in the show. They are they are Entourage of Seven brand, an L.A. brand, and they're Beacon. They're called the Entourage of Seven. Beacon, if you go to my Instagram story, you'll see that there's a, a store, the Good Sea Company in Venice, and a guy named Reza. He knows that our listeners, you guys, are going to want these things. He's hooked you up. He's ordered about 100 pair of these things, and uh, that's where you can find them. Other, other than that, I don't know where you're going to get them in the world. It's not it's not going to work. In any case, uh, let's go to the Peterson Auto Museum, and we're going to – let's start with the big stars, Matt Damon and Christian Bale, both super guys, both obviously incredible actors. Christian surprised me. You, listen for the story about him riding motorcycles out in Gorman. It's hilarious. He uh, slices his finger off. And, uh, you know, Damon, how he approaches Carol Shelby is, and inhabits that character is uh, it's really well done. So let's go off to the Peter, Peterson Museum. I hope you guys enjoyed this interview. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. <laughs> Where would you like us to That's fine, guys. You can sit down right there. So you, you, do you used to write for Seinfeld? Wait, let's just take this to start. Are we rolling? Uh, yeah, I did. You so you know Alec and Jeff, then? I do very yeah. well. Yeah, all right. Those are my buddies. Um, but I now I'm realizing you don't remember when we first met because Jeff uh, introduced us. Oh, where? Early, early on when you had just moved. Just stay close to the mic on these mics. Oh, yeah. They're a little loose. Um, at, at a bar in Hollywood when you first moved to L.A., yeah, so Jeff Schaefer said, this is uh, Matt Damon. He just moved here. He wants to be an actor. And I went, oh, right. Oh, nice to meet you, Matt. Good luck with that. Was Ben, was ben there that night? <laughs> he was not. Uh. He was not. But you were this uh, wiry uh, little actor guy. And it. And then I went, uh, it's one of my biggest regrets that I did not pursue that friendship. Because now look. <laughs> now look. Why didn't I believe in people? But... There it goes. How are you guys? Great. Good, thanks, Mike. Guy, the movie is uh, fantastic. Thank it's you. It's really, really thrilling from top to bottom. Thanks. Are, are you guys doing press today? What is it? What is this like? Is this a big press day for you? Do they have you? Yeah, we're just sitting here in the um, you know car museum. It's different from other press days in that, in that we're in a car museum, so that's cool. And, <laughs> um, and also the podcast thing is is relatively new where you can actually have like a longer conversation with right. somebody, so that's, that's actually nice. So are you guys, um, I think my listeners want to know more than anything, are you uh, car guys originally or are you character guys on this? What really, you know, and you can start with you, Christian, what attracted you to this project? Um, I, 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 I grew up watching uh, Formula One. Loved that. Went, got One time I went to Brands Hatch with my dad. Loved it. You know, it was with Alan Prost and Senna and Nicola Alder and whatnot. And that was absolutely glorious. Um, but I've never known how to work on a car or do anything with it particularly. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider myself a car guy. But this was just a hell of a story. It's an amazing story about these very strong characters, colourful characters in the racing world, but about this sort of triumph of misfits and the, their friendship, but told at, um, you know, 230 miles an hour. Right. Um, yeah. You were you were uh, an avid motorcyclist, though, weren't you, when uh, you yes. were younger? Yes. And, and used to race? And uh, well, Let's not say race. I would take it to the track, <laughs> you know? And so you do race against other people who are out there, but yeah. it wasn't anything official. But you had a lot of accidents when you were doing that. I did have a few, so I've been banned from doing that. <laughs> Well, what, 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 what kind of racing accidents on a motorcycle? Yeah, or? yeah, high sides and stuff and all that. And, uh, yeah, I've got a fair amount of metal in my really? body. Yeah. Wow. Matt, 
You and I. How much get, metal have you got? Yeah, what do you I got? Have, yeah. How many metal detectors do you set off? <laughs> I got, I do Where not in your set body? Off one, actually, for me, only in the Dominican Republic. They've got the most sensitive metal detectors of any airports really? there because that's the only place that I regularly set off the metal detector. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What part of you is metal? Is a robot? Like what do you? <laughs> what do you suddenly go Terminator? Isn't it? Here? It's, uh, uh, so uh, uh, in 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 one of my knees, and then got a big old. It looks like a beer opener inside of here, right? Uh, wrist, and then about twenty five oh screws up and down scar. here, and then no bone here. This is all titanium. Wow. You can hear him okay on that mic. You you got him in there good. Um, that's impressive. I like that. No, I'm not sure that is impressive. Is it really? <laughs> <laughs> it is that you were. It, doesn't it show that my enthusiasm completely outweighed my skill? No, because there, you know? <laughs> to be a racer, you have to be an assassin. You have to be out of your mind. And you, Ken Miles was kind of that guy, right? right? Yes. And you know, it, in some ways, it was. Uh, when were you racing as a teenager? Well, again, let me not say racing. I would go to the track, right. and we would all just go nuts for a day, or I'd go to the a racing. School, uh, you know, but it wasn't any official races. We, we would be against each other, yes. But um, that was up until I had my accident. That when my family banned me finally was in 2012. And th- is that where you lost a piece of your finger and they had to put it back on? No, that was dirt biking <laughs> up at Gorman. That was quite good. That was I, Gorman. That was up at Gorman. Wow, yeah, wow. yeah. And I just hadn't fixed an old accident on the bike, which had sharpened <laughs> a piece of metal, and it ended up just slicing my finger off. But so then I, when I came to take the glove off, yeah, you know, you sort of feel your finger, and my finger. Just just went with the glove. Oh, come on. And then, but not, but not too, and then I put it back, and then what I did, and there's blood running down, and then I managed to get my uh, glove off, and I stupidly would often just go by myself. Um, yeah. And then, but it was a very cold day, so I just balanced the fingertip on the end of my finger, put it out of the car window, because I thought that's the coldest uh, air. Right. And then just raced like that to the uh, And um, it didn't clinic. blow away. And uh, it was hanging on by literally one nerve, that it would kind of flop off and be hanging oh, down there like that. On, but it was dude. enough that I've still got some feeling in there. You wow. Know, but that, no, that was a dirt bike in. Now you didn't even put a little tape on it, or it just blew up. All right, well, Matt, you, you're a Massachusetts guy. You grew up in uh, Cambridge, right? Yep. So you're, like me, kind of around American muscle cars growing up. What, what was the stuff you were attracted to when you were a kid, when you were young? The cars. Uh, man, I wasn't really a car guy at all. I mean, I grew up taking the subway and the bus, and, <laughs> uh, you know, and you didn't really need a driver's license. In my right, right. Everything. You could you could kind of get to some other way. So so yeah, I wasn't uh, I, I wasn't into the kind of car culture. And what do you guys uh, what do you guys drive now? I got a pickup truck. Pickup truck. What kind of pickup truck? Tacoma. Two thousand three. And your electric car, I'd get a Tesla. There you go. Look, I'm waiting for. I think it's Bollinger <clears throat> coming out with some very oh, yeah, nice looking electric right. pickup trucks. I'm waiting out for of one New of England. those. Yeah. Yeah. As yeah, soon as guys... somebody comes out with a good electric pickup truck, I'll get it. Well, they're here. They're going to be at the LA uh, Auto Show. They, they've been sending me emails. I've put there. in my you, you yeah. know, order to them online. Yeah, mm. you should go have a look at it. It's a mm. pretty interesting looking vehicle. I love um, the look of it. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the movie, guys. The movie is incredible. It's Thank you. really great. What I, what I loved about it, and I was just telling James, is my wife loved it. She is a, uh, a political person. She's not about cars. Her right. favorite thing is a Prius, right? Couldn't right. even tell you who makes it, right? Mm. But she uh, was on the edge of her seat for the whole film. And and both of you guys. Um, you know, let me let me start with you, Matt. Carol Shelby. These are two characters and two human beings. Really interesting guys, Ken Miles, Carol Shelby. But they're dead. 
How do you approach that character and playing him with accuracy? That was Carol hilarious. Shelby. Interesting guys, but they're dead. <laughs> they're dead. You can't. Well, you can't meet with them. You can't sit down with them and go, "Let's talk," and kind of get a sense of their mannerisms and how they talk and the little things that actors, you know, love to bring to right. a part. Yeah. Where do, you, where do you find that? Well, luckily for me, Carol wasn't afraid of a microphone so <laughs> he there's a lot of existing footage and documentaries about him and a lot mm-hmm. of stuff so so uh that was kind of easy to to look at and and uh and there are a lot of people out here who knew him i mean he was very uh kind of a larger than life guy and so i talked to people who knew him and um you know and and again and it's a it's a it's a two-hour movie so you're never it's not you know I, i'm not going to come and do a really, you know, an imitation of Carol Shelley. It's, it's like you, you're trying to, you're trying to tell this story. And in fact, it's such a big story that it, it, you know, it was around for a long time in different kind of iterations. And it wasn't until it really got distilled down to, to just these two, the, you know, these, the, you know, Shelby and Miles that, that, uh, it was really, it was too kind of unwieldy before that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and, and Christian and talking to Ken's son, Peter, like, you, you, you know you're not going to make, uh, you know, get, get, capture an entire person's life in a two-hour movie. Nobody's life could be captured that way. So it's this story. It's, it's, it's servicing this story as best we can. And who gets to this project first? Which one of you guys? I read it back in 2011, but that was before Jim Mangold was on board. And then, like Matt said, it was more of an ensemble piece back then. But still, uh, uh, Butterworth had written it. Um, it was still fantastic, but then nobody was funding it until mm-hmm. uh, Jim distilled it down to the relationship between Shelby and Miles. And just going back also to your wife liking it, that is the ultimate compliment. That is fantastic because it is a human story right, about these right. fascinating, entertaining, larger-than-life characters, colorful characters, and... and uh, um, uh, it, it reminds me of I took my wife to see the documentary Senna, and, and I, I, you know, I saw Senna race. I was obsessed with him. I saw on TV when he tragically died. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife knew nothing about him, but she was in tears and just adored the film. So that was always what I felt like. That's the goal to get people who don't give a damn about racing to really care yeah. about this. And, and, and it definitely is that. Um, I was telling James the I could not believe the running time was two twenty. I usually get upset at anything over two hours. Yeah. I, would, I would have gone 90 minutes just because of how exciting the movie is and the way right. it's cut and the way it's put together. You've always got to ignore the running time because a, a, a bad film, 90 minutes is like being on a treadmill. It's just an eternity you know, right. completely. Right. But a good film, you can sit there for three and a half hours and feel like that just flew by. Do you, did you, what did you guys have to do to prepare for the movie? Did they send you to racing school? Uh, I not got to me, do that. Yeah, Christian did. <laughs> I did. This is after Shelby's uh, after Shelby's racing career. Right? You know, it, it's, it's a it's a it's a it's a big moment in his life because he's pivoting from one career to right, to, right. to the next. So, but you got to do racing school and you didn't. Now, why why didn't you? Because you do a lot of driving, right? Do you have that se- opening sequence in the yeah, uh, very little like it's a like speed twenty second sequence right. at the beginning, yeah. And then you you drove the Shelby on Leno's show. I, I watched. I that. did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> it looked like you were having trouble with that. Was well, it a Cobra? It was a Cobra. It was, a, it was yeah. the same one I drove in the film. But oh, right. No, the the first time I pulled up, I scared him. He jumped because <laughs> because what happened was the seat uh, was. Um, wasn't wasn't secured. Oh, so you were moving in the seat as you were braking. No, what happened was I, I, I literally hit the gas 
and the seat flew back <laughs> like that. So yes. I was like, like, oh, my God. So, you, so I was like, I got to get on the brake. I got to get right. back to the brake. It was funny. Did you actually get behind the wheel of these, these uh, Superformance 4 GTs? Loved them. And those what were they like great. to drive? Those Superformance well, tell ones us, Tell really everybody fantastic. what those are like to we drive. We couldn't mm-hmm. afford to have a lot of those right. uh, uh, on, so we had uh, other, other makers as well, which were super twitchy. But um, those ones are beautifully done. Um, that I have to say my favorite car to drive was the Cobra um, uh, because those Matt was really good in that as well and we would go to Willow Springs and just be sliding those around the corner but yeah. in a really predictable lovely right. way yeah. the GT40s were so twitchy um, uh, but fun, you know. But I spun that out a number oh, yeah. of times coming around corners. Yeah, just to, you, you just overcook it, just to like a, you know a couple of millimeters too much. Right. You know? It is like a ballet yeah, with yeah. the pedal. You know, and you do point your foot in that way, so you can just do tiny increments. But man, that thing was just ready to spin out at any second. You know, it so sounds like this film woke up the racer in you. It sounds like um, you sound like a guy who's about to start racing. I, I have spoken with Robert Nagel, who was this. Uh, stunt coordinator on this I have said to him you know what we had some good times here didn't we and he used to race uh, uh, professionally and I have said to him "Ah, let's start thinking about maybe at some point yeah you know him and I getting together and seeing if we Ah. can actually start having some fun at the track with this but we haven't started doing that yet what kind of cars would you race Um, well on the the Bondurant school we ended up with uh, in an open wheeler and it doesn't sound very impressive but it was like Formula Mazda Right. right They are so much fun. Yes, they They're are. So much fun. You feel the air in and, your face. And um, uh, 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 I would love to just experience that a bit more. And I've also had so much fun just going around in a Mazda Miata. Yeah. I mean, well, I know, it's, I know that in the world, sounds the like Miata. a joke for people yeah. who haven't been in them, but they're great, and the gear shifting is wonderful yeah. in it, and it's a great way to start and get a used to A lot of the it, engines you know? in the kit cars were Miatas. What's that? A lot of the engines in the, in, 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 uh, that, that we were really? racing, yeah, were, were Miatas. Wow. They, yeah. You know, the Miata is the most race car in the world. It's is it the really? car because that. they're affordable yeah, and affordable. they're easy to that's modify. Yeah, you want to start with something that's affordable. Right. That, you know, if you wreck it, you, you don't have to move out of your house or whatever. Right. Uh, and then see if you've got what it takes <laughs> to maybe start to stretch to something wow, else. This is really exciting. But for me, it would just be a fun <clears throat> hobby if that ever comes. But I'm still how begging my family to let me get convinced. on a motorcycle again. How are we going to get him convinced that this is fun? Oh, it's fun. No, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I, I like, I love, go, I mean, I have fun driving. I, I mean, I, I, he's good. They, they, he, he, we, we jumped in the car in one scene, and I don't know if that is actually the one that they end up using in the film, but he, he, he drifted thing at that. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's so easy to drift those cobras, off, though, because they're yeah. so light. It's Certainly. really, it's, 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 it's easier to drift them than it is to not, because I mean, keeping those rear wheels on the ground is tough. Right, but you're Jason Bourne. I mean, certainly you've done a lot. Because yeah, you are yeah. Jason Bourne. You are him. <laughs> You've yeah. done a lot of training, right? You've done a lot yes, of this stuff. Yes, a lot of driving. Like, yeah. like we get spoiled because they'll they put you on an old airfield that's like wet down right. and give you <laughs> three cars. And like, I mean, we and 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 it's like the the. the Stunt coordinator just is like, okay, guys, I'm leaving, and he leaves you with the stunt guys, and it, it's a lot of fun. Were, was there anybody who was around back in the day that was part of this film? That Charlie Agapew, he yeah. was one of the pit crew. Um, he was around New Ken, New Shelby really well. Was Charlie part was of that really whole helpful. Team. You know, Charlie yeah. is one of the characters. He was there wow. um, a lot. Um, we had some of the sons, Gurney's um, uh, boy. You know, we had uh, actually quite a few family members were around of the actual race. Oh, tell them about the one shot um, at the beginning uh, the, of Le There's Le a That's shot it. at the beginning of Le Mans where, where we're, uh, you know, in, uh, that old quaint, lovely thing where they start and they have to run 
across. Right, right. And and um, we're looking at these black and white photographs, and I'm going, all right, there's me, there's Ken, and then here's your dad. You know, it was his actual dad, and here's your dad, and we're all just getting goosebumps going, my God, this is a wonderful moment. So the like, sons were playing their dad. kind of yeah. revisiting yeah. us, yeah. and us all running off, trying to replicate exactly what their dads did. And that was wow. so authentic. And yeah. as, I mean, as authentic as you can possibly get, isn't it? You know? That's really, yeah. really mm. incredible. Mm. One of my favorite moments, Matt, is when you say uh, a Porsche, as Carol Shelby. You go, yeah, it's the guy who runs Porsche, <laughs> which not is not compared how... Compared to Porsche, yeah, it's, you mean. Right. Porsche is the family name, right. but you, you see the authenticity that Matt is bringing to this guy from Texas, this character, who would right. not know that, who would right. say, yeah, that's the guy who runs Porsche. Or knows it, but doesn't want to say that. Doesn't yeah, want maybe. <laughs> did you do that on purpose, or was that in the script? No, I mean, I just did. That's, I, think, I thought that's how he said Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> so you, okay, you guys, uh, I don't know. I was so, uh, I've been in entertainment for, and seen a lot of movies. I absolutely lost my mind when I saw this movie. It hits my sweet spot, entertainment, great yeah. acting, great writing, Thank great you. filmmaking. Thanks, making. What you guys brought to these characters, what I learned about the Ford versus Ferrari story. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a scene where Enzo Ferrari is there, and he's got lint on his jacket. I mean, what James brought in, the set dressing, it's a knockout of a movie. Thanks. And Thanks. my Thanks. only hope, and I know you guys are in the same category uh, for an Oscar, right? What, no, oh, why does that? I, I, <laughs> For us, honestly, I think I'll speak for both of us. At our age, at this stage of our career, we just want people to see the movie. Yeah. We really, really want people to see it. And it's great when it turns out well. And this one turned out well. And I just so hope, it's not, hope it uh, finds an audience. It's not Bale versus Damon after this. You guys don't suddenly stop talking to each other and go out there and We'll have a nice, sad, middle-aged, pathetic uh, knockdown like we do in the film. Yeah, My exactly. dream is you uh, both get an Oscar. Just because you made a night of my life so wonderful oh, that's watching awesome. a movie, and that's hard to do. Um, and uh, the, the Spikes Car Radio listeners, thank you guys for coming on. Um, Appreciate it. You guys it. have to check this movie out. You have to go see it. It's uh, in theaters November 15th, Ford versus Ferrari. Matt Damon, Christian Bale. Guys, come back anytime. Thanks so like, much, obviously. Man. And thanks for uh, visiting with us. We'll Cheers. be right back. All right. Do you guys need to watch? Getting to be the holidays. I don't have to remind you. You need to go to my favorite watch website, Crown and Caliber. Maybe you want to sell a watch and buy another watch. Maybe you want to sell three watches and buy nothing. Crown and Caliber is going to help you. I use them all the time. They have huge brands. Rolex, Breitling, Omega, Tech Heuer, Patek Philippe. Huge selection of watches, 3,000-plus watches from 40 of the top luxury brands. It's risk-free, free shipping, free returns, one-year warranty. They've been helping people for a, for a very long. Check their Google rating. Check their Google rating. 4.8 out of 5. That's only a, a point two of disgruntled people. The rest, overwhelmingly happy. Count me in that column for happy folks. They have an in-house team of Swiss-certified watchmakers as well as technicians and refinishers. In case your watch isn't where you want it to be before you sell it, they'll get it the last mile. They've been featured in Esquire, Men's Journal, Forbes, Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, and, of course, Spikes Car Radio. And right now, they're giving away an Omega Speedmaster watch. How about that? Maybe you're not even buying, you're not selling. Maybe you just want a free watch. Well, go to my custom URL, crownandcaliber.com forward slash spike, 
That's crownandcaliber.com forward slash spike. It ends on November 17th, 2019, so this is the last chance I think you have. And if you're just in the mood to buy a watch, use the promo code that I've got for you guys, Radio 150, for 150 off any purchase of $2,000 or more. There you go. Radio 150, my friends at crownandcaliber.com. So, how do you know your motor oil is good enough to protect your engine? Well, you don't. That's the answer to that question. But one brand does because they literally go the extra mile to test everything. I'm talking about Valvoline, our friends Valvoline, who make stickers. That's right, Valvoline is the only motor oil brand in the world with an engine lab completely dedicated to testing motor oil. They take their products and their competitors' products, I might add, and run them through the gauntlet. I'm talking thousands and thousands of miles. Then their engineers and technicians take those engines apart piece by piece to evaluate exactly what happened. Was there carbon buildup? How did the seals hold up? Did the engine perform like it was supposed to? And most importantly, were the critical engine components protected? So when Valvoline is formulating motor oil for your engine, they know exactly how it performs and what protects it best because they've seen the results firsthand. It's why I trust Valvoline in my car, and it's why Valvoline has been trusted for more than 150 years, 150 years. Head over to Valvoline.com slash Spike to see what product is right for your engine. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. Have a seat, and we'll get, we'll get you in and out of here real fast. Oh. Need a break? Are you ready? No, to no, go? no. I just, you're my first. I don't need any kind of break. I'm, I'm your first. I'm all good. He's all good. We're listening. Testing, testing, one, two. You all good? Looks That's good. good there. Yeah, just yeah. speak close to the mic like that. There you, you got go. It. Right in there. I you like that it. he did a, he, uh, a mic test. I like to leave all this stuff in, by the way. The bike test test. Yeah, I'm going to leave all of that in. All of it. Leave it all in. (laughs) Leave it all in. I'm a filmmaker. We know. I know what sound guys do. This is James Mangold, the director of Ford versus Ferrari. Is it Ford v. Ferrari or Ford versus Ferrari? I call it Ford v. Ferrari, but you could say versus. This movie is. Godzilla versus Megalon. This movie is so great. Thank you. I went to a screening. I lost my mind. You know, what was impressive uh, to me was I brought my wife, who's a, a, a petite little blonde who's into politics. And she loved it more than I did, it's, which is quite an accomplishment for you. How, do you, how did you pull that well, she's off? She's not like a motorsports person. Or... Not in any way. Right. Not in any way. Her Neither am I, car... to be honest. Right. I know that about you. Um, I think, and, and, and it's been said, and I, and I love uh, this, that, that it's a thinking man's fast and the furious. <laughs> uh, I'll take that. I'll take that. How, I mean, I think that. How did I you think... accomplish that? Well, I think the goal of the film on a broad level – I mean, I, I say I'm not into motorsports. I love cars. I just am not a big follower. I've never been a big follower. It wasn't what drew me into the movie. But what I did love about this story as we began to work on the script a few years ago was the idea of this time in America and in racing when um, – Although the movie is very much about uh, uh, corporate interference in sports, it's also a time when um, it was just that was happening for the first time, that the world of sports was still a a kind of wonderful menagerie of mavericks. I mean, motor racing, kind of hot rodders, uh, engineers, kind of geniuses um, and daredevils, Mm -hmm. kind of this wonderful kind of collection of characters um, and certainly uh, Enzo Ferrari and, and, and Henry Ford II were each different characters' uh, legacy, um, running a corporation that makes cars, you know, for working men and women and, uh, and an, 
um, that are affordable. And another guy who is a maverick who created his own company who makes unaffordable cars mm-hmm. for n- no men and women. I mean, for basically too too fancy for almost anyone. I mean, when Enzo first was in these days making Ferraris, there there wasn't even there weren't Ferrari dealerships in big towns. Mm-hmm. Meaning this was a really exclusively a racing machine. Um, you said not being a car guy, though, uh, that it gave you a unique perspective. Well, on I, making I, a I good love the characters. Movie. I love the characters, and so the reason I think your wife liked it as well is that I think that the investment of the movie is in the unique people that populate the film and the dynamic like when you say your wife likes politics like there's a lot of interesting ways these it it, the movie asks a lot of questions that are more complicated than just who's going to win this race Mm -hmm. and i think that that's part of what i hope involves people and the other thing that was my own goals i grew up going to the movies with my dad and we would see really cool films entertaining films films with action whether dirty hairy films or 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 um the great you know like the gauntlet clint eastwood movies and the and i'm like what happened to these movies that were for grown-ups mm-hmm. they were i mean essentially the action film has become kind of the province of the 13 year old boy right and exactly. that the entire world of tentpole movies is kind of oriented around appealing to teenage boys well does that does that make it hard to make this film yes but it what it was the goal of this film what was attractive to me was making a film that that i saw when i was a kid where the film i had to grow a little into the movie the movie didn't <laughs> just speak to me on the on the on the most youtube of levels right, and right. that the that that was something um that's tricky yes getting financed today because you have a movie like this isn't only it's not just that it's oriented toward <clears throat> adults mm-hmm. but that it's also it doesn't feature the wolverine right or spider-man right or or luke skywalker so there isn't some built-in audience that the studio knows is going to pay for the picture right and you have to make money on these things or we know you get thrown into director jail so yes. so well, Fox... that's, that's another reason i identified <laughs> because while directors um and writers don't often die on the job <laughs> I, I identified with the career death right. that race car drivers experience if they can't put victories together. So, so what kind of gamble does uh, and Fox made the film right? The, yes. What kind of gamble does? And they... while we were making it, Fox was bought by Disney. Disney, right? Right. So, so it was either. even uh, it was even kind of like the movie in the sense that the ground was changing so underneath you. Yeah, go I, ahead. Sorry. Does Iger call you up in the middle of this process and go, "Look, buddy, you know you've seen what we're doing." And, uh, you know, I've been looking at what's going over here at Fox, and I'm not too happy with last summer. Are you going to make sure you deliver? I was way done. By whatever you're, what I, no, the truth is Bob Iger does not make calls like you're describing. That sounds more like Fred Flintstone. But the, but the reality is that, that um, they love the movie, so it was a very easy transition for me. Um, and I think that what I was out to make was, I think, when Disney bought Fox, I think they were very much out for the kind of picture that you know Disney makes plenty of family mm-hmm. movies oriented toward kids. So the the idea of having adult fare and having something more sophisticated yet also appealing and entertaining, meaning I'm not out to hit my audience in the head with a hammer. Right. Um, so that was really interesting um, to them, and I think that um, well, audiences will decide how the movie came out. <clears throat> Movie's amazing. Thank you. Everyone, you have to see the movie. Uh, it's like, you know, cat. And it's also can I add that the one thing I feel like people think they know. No, if you're not, if you don't know the history of this race and this rivalry and these characters, you may think you know what's going to happen to the
in the movie, just another one of those movies where blah 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 blah. But that's not exactly what happens in the movie. Right. So so it's like part of what makes the movie interesting, and the reason I made it is what happens isn't kind of the standard cliche set of events that you walk in expecting. Right. But we know who wins in the end, right? You didn't change that. Well, you saw <laughs> the movie, buddy. I'm <laughs> All right, let's get into the good stuff. The good stuff. All right. Um, I have so many questions. I, you know, here's w- what I loved right off the top. Um, uh, ten minutes in, I saw three Porsche Speedsters from the late fifties, a country and a country squire, and a ton of beautiful cars. Yeah. Um, you know, later when we're visiting the Ferrari factory, I'm looking at some very, very valuable vintage Ferraris that I know. I I know the cars and some of the guys who own them, and I stopped counting at the value. Of a hundred million dollars, I was like, there was at least a hundred million dollars worth of vintage Ferrari. Which is more than the film cost, right? So, so on that set that day, we had we had uh, one of the owners drove the car there on LA Surface Street. But how do you get? Well, that was probably Bruce Meyer from the Peterson Museum, the silver two fifty short yeah, wheelbase. Yeah, he drives be, yeah. that car. How do you, uh, as a director, reach out to those guys to the Ferrari well, I community? Don't. Honestly, I wouldn't know where to begin. But, but, I, but I I, I but, hire good people who are as I'm producer also on the film, so I hire people who are very smart about wrangling cars and know the car world. And yeah, but most guys don't lend their cars to a well, production, right? And no one would – well, in this case, it's just sitting there, meaning right. that we didn't take <laughs> Bruce's car, for instance, and put it on the track at Willow Springs. That would have been right. – I think I think right. would have had an issue. Yes, um, yes. The, uh, <laughs> uh, but, the, but the reality is that, that for um, – for most owners, I think it's kind of a thrill and a value added for their own car to make it mm-hmm. into a major motion picture, blah blah blah. But no, the, it's, the, it's thrilling when you see it on screen, right? So it's just a matter of do do we manage to nick or scratch it while it's sitting there and we're moving the camera around? Does the steady cam operator bump into it and cause <laughs> cause a, 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 a liability insurance? And you issue have that insured. You're the producer. You have to have a lot we of have, insurance. We have to right? be insured. We have to be insured. I don't because honestly, if that does happen, honestly, I don't know if what kind of insurance. Well, you can't carry. We we, we didn't have to insure the ve- against the vehicle's destruction. I'm right. sure if we nicked it, there's a way to solve that problem that doesn't cost thirty million dollars. No, just right. hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Oh Jesus. <clears throat> that well, who's, fine. Where, what kind of body shop does Bruce use? Um, the uh, fine. You're talking about fifty million dollar Ferraris here. <laughs> okay. You have to do it right. All right. Wait. Wait. I've got to ask about Le Mans in 1966 because. You know, if you're listening, when you go to this movie and you're a car guy, you're going to lose your mind at not just the sets, but the set dressing is like – it's like something you would find in a Goodwood memorabilia. Everything is perfection. You're looking at every angle and place on the screen and for we you car people. went to a lot people, of trouble to do that. Yeah. But <clears throat> what really impressed me was Le Mans in 1966 because that track has changed. It does not exist in its current Indeed. state contemporary. So how do you approach Le Mans in 1966 given that it doesn't exist anymore? Well, I can do the long version or the short version. I'll try and do the short version, which will inevitably be the medium long version. The uh, Well, like you said, there is no track. Right. right, Spike. So there's, there's, I can't end the track. Let's talk about what makes Le Mans special for a second. Now, I'm starting, I'm starting to sound like a motorsports guy, aren't I? Yeah, I know. Uh, t- you know, two years working on this movie f- <laughs> full time, and it, uh, you get infected. What makes Le Mans special is it's one of the oldest races in the world. It, w- it was created at the dawn of the automobile, 
And as much as it's about who wins, it's much more about who survives, about who, which cars can actually race for 24 hours and stay on, stay running for 24 hours. Um, and a lot of the attrition that happens in the race isn't about cars, quote, falling behind. It's, it's about cars falling apart under the stress and demands of the race. The demands of the race are eight miles of track, eight miles of track of country road, basically a loop with a lot of turns and twists that is, that is, conventional French road for the other 360 days a year when that race isn't going on, and then the straightaway that runs past a grandstand, which was a kind of wonderful, old-fashioned grandstand. Mm -hmm. None of that exists anymore. (laughs) And at the same time, the track itself is legendary. There are the S's, the uh, White House Corner, the Mulsanne Strait, the the Dunlop Bridge. These are all either um, kind of landmarks and or specific kind of turns and twists in the road that require specific strategies and and um, would adapt to some cars' strengths and some cars would fall apart at different places. So we knew we had to, in some way, replicate these famous turns and twists, these landmarks along the road, and we knew that we couldn't do that in Le Mans, France, because as you said, that it just doesn't exist anymore. Right, it looks like right. the Meadowlands. It's as glory. It looks like you know uh, uh, the French Airport. It's a <laughs> giant modernist um, grandstand that holds probably twenty times more people than mm-hmm. it did back then. So we did shoot in Le Mans, France. We shot in the village of Le Mans for the village. But when we got to having to reconstruct the track itself, we found an airport in Aqua Dulce, California, where we built the grandstand at least most of it, about a football field long section of it, and then used visual effects to extend it. Is that still there, by the um, way? No, it had to all go <laughs> away. Um, why, why at an airport, you might ask, Spike? Yes. Well, well, to drive cars at a, in excess of 150 miles an hour right. past your grandstand, right. you need – I didn't even think about this. You know, This is where I, until I learned this, making the movie with all the stunt guys and car coordinators, in order to drive 150 miles an hour past your camera in the pits and the grandstands, you obviously need – you need running time for those drivers to be able to get up to speed. And then, of course, you need more straightaway for them to deaccelerate right, so they don't right, run into right. a wall at yeah. 150 miles an hour. So so we found an airport in Aqua Dulce, California, and we built the kind of main area that um, the main, where the pits were, all the action in the pits with Matt Damon playing Carol Shelby. Every time Christian pulls in, all that action. Mm-hmm. Then we went to Atlanta, Georgia, where we scouted for twists and turns and country roads that would match the French countryside and match the exact characteristics of these twists and turns in the roads at Le Mans. Um, now, again, your challenges don't begin and end there because you've got to find country roads in Georgia in which the residents on those country roads are okay with you shutting down the roads for right. a week on end and driving 200 miles an hour past you their houses. You just got the three-minute signal. I don't mean to interrupt your story. Yeah, they, they, you, they're, they're going to sca- keep you there. You could be scared of them, but I'm not scared but of them. But you're in three different locations yeah, yeah. keeping track of cars in various degrees of use, right? And so so, you, and, so here's keep... the bottom line, Spike. Every time you see any car make one lap right. around that track, you're actually seeing six different disparate locations in Atlanta, Georgia, no and one main location in Aqua Dulce, California. And, and so every time – and you now have to figure out how complicated it was for us. We have all these period cars. They are driving in 
uh, configurations, like who's ahead, who's in right, second, right. who's in third. It's either raining, it's a wet down, it's night, it's dawn, it's midday. We have to ma- the cars are dirty on either a level one through five, depending on how long I they've love been racing. That, that you had when, this dirt scale to keep track of. Yeah, stuff. not it's... only that, but when it rains, obviously the dirt scale right, they go right, from a four right. back down to a two. So you have to have every time you're doing one of these sequences, you have to be coordinating all that stuff so it cuts together through the magic of cinema into one continuous race. I have to ask you some questions because they're going to take you away from me. And, Go uh, ask, and then we ask. Have, uh, and they can't actually take me unless I cooperate. That's good. I love I'm that. having All fun right, here, good. Spike. Okay, here, okay. Are my, here are my questions. I have more questions for you. Um, <clears throat> did either Ford or Ferrari reach out to help shape the narrative? Uh, they reached out with uh, concern <laughs> who, about how we who were Who and what? Well, I, no, I'm not giving you names. but <laughs> Well, I mean, it's either Ford versus or well, Ferrari. Well, I know with Ferrari. all these companies, you have giant marketing publicity divisions yes. and people. Do you know someone? Uh, I heard no. from one of the manufacturers. You did? What did yes. you hear? Tell me. Share the they, scuttlebutt. They were curious. Have you seen it? What, how, are, how are we portrayed? Yes, right. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that the, the – I think the one. Why problem, are they nervous, though? I mean, it's a, it, this is uh, well. History. There's a good this reason. Is... There's a good reason to be nervous in the sense that we're not making a promotional film right, for these right. companies. But what, where they, I think they end up coming off all of them well in the movie is that the fact that the movie doesn't feel like a, just a. Uh, a bunch of promotional bullshit no, is is great. what makes the company look better, right? Because you understand the real history of these companies, um, the good and the bad of it, the what makes them real legacies and a part of our history, and not just some some bullshit commercial, <laughs> uh, which which they can make any day of the week. So the reality is, I think, especially Did you talk to them? especially Did you... for Ford, I think that the reality is, yeah, we tried to, but I think there was anxiety, and in the end. I didn't want to make the movie working with the publicity of department. Course of course not. A, no, because no. Because they, then they'd have issues every they three They manage my Instagram posts a lot of times. Right. I, I will have a Ferrari and I'll mention the word Porsche and I don't talk to Ferrari for a year. They won't call me just well, because that's how sensitive they are. They're too sensitive. No, they're no, too wait. Sensitive. No, we got, I, they're I, all too sensitive. CGI? Are we seeing CGI in this at not all? Not cars. Or? I mean, there's a couple of things. Because there's, we, there's big Ferrari crashes and things. How do you shoot that? Is we took well. We had reproductions, and we crashed them. And you do crash them. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty vicious crash at one. Yeah, but it's not one of the. It's not a thirty million dollar Ferrari. No, but there's a human in there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, we, this is why there's such things as stunt guys. But we have all sorts of you know where the seat, where the computer stuff mm-hmm. and visual effects comes in is there's rigs and harnesses and stuff. We just remove that. So we're shooting real cars, but that car may getting pulled on a rail into the other. Meaning it's Got these it. guys they use the same engineering that goes in the cars goes now into modern stunts. And, and with Matt and Christian, are you looking at the scenes that they might be driving in? And, and, and what kind of interference do you have from their representatives who are like, look, well, don't Matt kill Matt are, Damon. Yeah, they're, well, they're both, they're both very smart. Neither of them wants to get hurt yeah, um, making right, a movie. Right. Um, they've been doing this a while. So they're not they, Tom Cruise in it. They're not like. Well, Tom doesn't want to get hurt either. But the truth is that the it, he doesn't. No, no. The uh, there's your news right no, there. No. Tom Cruise doesn't want to get hurt. No one wants to get hurt. Everyone pushes it That's to not where what they. Chris McQuarrie's telling me. Okay, well, well, Chris is good at publicity, but yeah. the but the reality of it all is is that um, the the reality of it is this: mm-hmm. there's scenes you have them driving. 
There's scenes you don't have them driving. But there's an awful lot of scenes where they're behind the wheel, but they're not driving. What I mean by that is we had this rig called the Biscuit, and they've used it on James Bond movies and other other configurations have used it. I'm sure Chris used it on Mission. Um, I know when I made a Tom Cruise movie and he was riding a motorcycle, we had scenes where we used this a kind of configuration like this. The Biscuit, which is effectively that your actor, just like no one wants you to text and drive, no one wants you to act and drive, at, especially in excess of 100 miles an hour. So right, what we right. do is we have, a, we have a replica of a GT40 right. where the actual drive and command of the car is either on the roof or offset to one of the rear uh, ah. where, I, where the camera isn't going to look. Right. So that the camera can live in the car with the actor, pan out to the front hood, pan back to the driver in profile, look to the right, look to the left. You're not going to see any sign of another driver. Right. But we can send... Christian or Matt on uh, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, yes. where we've got stunt drivers driving the period cars all around them, slotting in and around. They're wow. overtaking them. This is all happening over 100 miles an hour, and we have an expert driver who's not having to act, who is just focused on completing the choreography of the car, and Matt wow. or Christian. So, do you have them do like the the, the cartoony on that steering of wheel? Of course not. <laughs> like, of like course this. not. Do that now. Do a fake shift and signal. I and- mean, these are good actors, Spike. <laughs> And, and all you have to do is, for once, sit behind the wheel of your own car and rock the I've steering wheel to yeah, and yeah, fro no, I and realize your car starts going like an S across the road. No, the guys the are incredible. I mean, the movie was so thrilling. I mean, I could not believe and, – and you did talk about it at the screening, but I could not believe the running time of this movie. If you had asked me, I would have said this is 90 minutes, not a dot No, longer. really? Right? That's great. I love it's, it. It's 2.20 and well, it was it's such very... a thrill. How did you pull that up? Because me, of all people, complains about anything over two hours. You should have seen the very exciting three-hour and 15-minute version. The, uh... <laughs> I would not have stood for it. I st- but how did you do that? Because I really was well, tricked. You're asking. It's like how did you? Uh, how did you make a movie? I we we cut. We edit. We cut. We ask every day. I had a great old teacher once who said, "If it can go, it should go." So you, you said length doesn't bore you. Boredom bores you. That's at right. The screening. Yes, that's it's it, well, it's the truth. I mean, we, we even when the movie ends, we have to then go on living. What's boring is not is is when our brains aren't involved. Yes, when we check out. So well, we try and avoid that. They, you have to go. I just want to ask you one more question. Why, sure. did, why does the name get changed over uh, overseas? Why do they change it to uh, Good Le Mans question. 66? Um, well, well, the reality is that in some countries, like in the UK and I believe France as well, when you use a trademark name like Ford or Ferrari, you need their permission uh, there or, you go. or for it okay. to be in a title. So um, um, in America, that is not true because they're just considered historical well, names. There you go. Simple so, answer. Simple answer. Also, I think it's pretty clear that in Europe, people might know what Le Mans is more than... You know, you call the movie True. Le Mans 66. Right. And, and, and there it is. You'd have a bunch of people walking around in New Jersey going, what's a Le Mans 66? <laughs> <laughs> this is James Mangold, director of the fantastic movie Ford versus Ferrari in theaters November 15th. You guys, I don't even have to tell you to go see it. I know you're going to see it, but you are going to absolutely love it. Bring the family. Bring the family. Erica loved it. Very nice to meet you, sir. I'm Thank very, you, very impressed Pleasure. with you and, and what you've done. And come back. Uh, I'll come back. When Not you every think movie down, I make involves vehiculars. We're, so. in, uh, we're in Beverly Hills. I want to talk more about the movie and movie making in general. That's good. Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app. Or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. 
you know, we all have a to-do list. There's lots of stuff on it. You got to get your dry cleaning. You got to get your milk. Here's an idea. Put save hundreds of dollars on car insurance on your to-do list. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com. In 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance, extra money in your pocket. It may be the most rewarding thing you do today. Well, I'm pretty excited to be welcoming Hot Boxing with Mike. Tyson to the Podcast One family. Listen as Mike Tyson, the baddest man on the planet, pours his soul into conversations with fascinating minds, celebrities, and athletes, along with his cosmic millennial sidekick and former NFLer, Eben Britton. Kid Dynamite dives deep into the issues impacting us all today. This podcast will change the way you see the world. Check out the first two episodes featuring Evander Holyfield. Don't miss Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. All right, one other thing I just got to mention. We have a new Blip Shift t-shirt. You may have seen it. You may not have. It's perfect. It's in uh, just in time for the holidays. It's the Arrested Development shirt. It's three steering wheels uh, from RSs, the evolution of the RS steering wheel for you Porsche nuts. I picked out the wheels. I ran them by Seinfeld. I ran them by Zuckerman. I think you'll recognize which wheels we used. Of course, we had to put a GT2 RS wheel in there. Of course, we had to put a 73 RS. And, you know, we went back to the 550 RS. That's right. So there you go. It's an amazing shirt. Go to blipshift.com forward slash spike. On the front, you'll see the cool steering wheels. They're navy blue with gray. They're awesome. I picked these colors out. Based on the types of shirts I want to wear when I get up in the morning. And on the back, there's just a little Spikes Car Radio up on the back collar there. So check it out. They're only 20 bucks a piece. I recommend going with the heavier shirt, the thin ones. You know, unless you're in great shape, you're showing a little too much booby and a little too much stomach. So I go I go with the heavier ones. Go to blipshift.com and get the our new t-shirt, Arrested Development. There's probably only one or two days left, so do it fast.